Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Team Black. If you have one of those t-shirts, I thank you very much. This is Larry Charles, one half of the Game Dev Unchained podcast team. Uh, I'm not going to say any jokes. I'm just going to introduce the co-host, Mr. Renifam. Hashtag Team Yellow. Uh, here reporting for duty. This week, as you can uh, read from the headlines if you haven't, it's the Glassdoor Confession. This is a yeah. abrupt Glassdoor confession on Telltale Games. As you guys may have heard, Telltale recently had a massive layoff. Yeah. And uh, if you're listening to this, you've probably been reading the news or watching the news yeah. of a full week of coverage on the aftermath, what's going on, yeah. job listing, uh, nearby Bay Area studios offering mixers and, yeah. and all this stuff to kind of help these about 275. All right. So initially reported, it was around 225. And then, uh, and this is going to be a non-traditional glass or confession, right? Yeah. Obviously, it's like the a glass. Exactly. Views, so yeah. There's a lot and, to catch up on. That and glass, the glass door is happening on Twitter right now. <laughs> Every employee is kind of revealing the skeleton of Telltale. You know, we're talking about sixty to eighty hours work, uh, overtime, uh, and all this different stuff like just bad practices. Uh, Emma Kanema, Kanema uh, from uh, Game Workers Unite that was on our podcast episode talking about game unions mm-hmm. wrote a scathing uh, email blog posts, kind of just really putting telltale uh, executives responsible for bad practice, neglect, just horrible management, mm-hmm. just really calling them out as what it is. Of course, management, you know, are in damage control, so, of course, the big fuck you is that the CEO has their politically correct, oh, all our brothers and sisters, this is unfortunate. If you want a recommendation, I will personally give you a LinkedIn recommendation <laughs> with seven days of healthcare coverage left, which is another kicker. So let's go over the facts, right? The, the, the problems that we've gathered and this is coming from uh, online resources as well as like people that we know that have worked there and are out of a job. Uh, so basically, like I mentioned before, initially report 225 later in the week, it was 250. Now it's 275. The studio, the report originally was 25 people were going to be kept within the studio to finish out the projects. <laughs> Most notably Netflix, Say, nah, you, you know, you, you have a few for that deal. Yeah. Yeah. Still have a deal that you need to finish. Um, so you got to finish that out for us. 
<laughs> but uh, at this point, it doesn't seem like anybody is left there. And this is coming from a lot of tweets from current employees. Like everybody was was, was done and gone. And if any of the game developers are out there who's been through a layoff or at least know someone who's been through a layoff, uh, sadly, within 30 minutes of that Friday announcement, you know, computers were locked. Yeah. People were told they only have half an hour to gather the stuff and get out. Uh, basically treated like criminals, which is very disheartening. I always hate that part. <laughs> like mm-hmm. when anybody gets laid off, you mean like you're fired for like a reason that deserves they shouldn't be in the building. I can understand. But like, hey, don't even say goodbye to all these people that you've been friends with for the last three years. Yeah. Don't even do a lap. Don't even look them directly in the eye. Just take your cardboard box, uh, walk with the producer, and he's going to let you out. By the yeah. way, get your keys and badge in. You know, exactly. No, don't, don't grab a free banana and soda. <sighs> like, that's, that's bullshit, man. I've always hated that. I've always hated that. They always flip the table like that. I mean, flip the script. I mean, you're the one causing harm to everybody <laughs> but you treat me as if a potential harm to whatever's left at the company right so of course there's a huge backlash this is following a bad month for game developers all right just this is kind of overshadowing capcom vancouver i looked it up they laid off 158 people the difference there is if we haven't mentioned if you don't know telltale is getting no severance that's another kicker yeah um, day of firing, no warning. People work until 3 a.m. Mm-hmm. the night before, crunching, trying to make this product good. Because they Family. Families. There was a couple of employees that were moving across the country the week before. Damn. Started that week. And this happened. Damn. That's so messed up. Oh, my God. They I just went so through... As if nothing was happening, knowing way before that this was uh, could be a, a possibility, right? And you know, of course, of course, this is what from what I heard, <clears throat> um, and from what all the reports are, is that the reason why of the sudden closure and the sudden announcement right? and people were saying oh we saw people from Lionsgate that day uh, leaving the office and then the analysis was made shortly after mm-hmm. indicating or at least uh, insinuating that that deal broke that day therefore the closure of the studio mm-hmm. but in actuality it was a potential backer it wasn't never it was never a done deal it was like someone advertising and someone said, yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> it's like, oh, we got a buyer. All right, Eric. So we, the operation is normal for the next two months. This guy says his in. His end is like, no, no, no. We're, we're just checking out. But that that's part of the bullshit uh, that, that's kind of being rolling around by by the management at Telltale to kind of help soften the, the image uh, tarnish that they've been incurring on themselves i'd be happy to hear what lionsgate has to say uh especially if the company doesn't exist at this point you know because if they're going to be painted as the reason why this company of 250 employees is now shut down well i mean their reply is just as corporate as it is you know they they've uh they decided to refocus what their uh energy will be which is you know their movies and and everything and games was just a 
a, a potential venture that they didn't want to further explore, right? Yeah. I mean, that's legitimate business on their side. They don't, it's not their fault that 275 employees at Telltale uh, got laid off because of their bad management, right? They're that's definitely not going to do it now, right? To have seen a company that big, like just vanish in thin air just because they decided not to invest. It's not even their problem. I mean, they were just showing up that day, just like any business deal to discuss. All right. You can't put that type of pressure on a business. It's like, are you kidding me? They made the right choice. It's like you were depending on us to say yes. Like how are we going to, yeah. How many millions of dollars do you think that we would give you if you were, uh about to close just because of us it's like it's not a good business proposition to be in do you think lionsgate got a sense of that in that meeting like we're speculating oh, yeah. here but yeah because i remember uh i think obsidian had some issues and i don't even know if i'm supposed to be saying this but i think obsidian had some issues when they're working on fallout new vegas i think this is a publicly known story mm-hmm. where uh what was it bethesda kind of knew that like uh obsidian was on the ropes at the time Mm-hmm. And so they leveraged that to make Obsidian have to sign a shitty deal because it's like, well, if you don't sign this deal, you get nothing. So sign this deal where we take all the royalties and you get nothing, but at least you get the money to make the game and keep the lights on and then we take all the royalties. Right. Now, and that's not coming directly from the source. This is like hearsay from some time after like talking with people who worked at Obsidian after I had since left. Right. But, yeah, something like that. Some bullshit ass deal where they're like, oh, wait, you're in a struggling position. Well, we're going to leverage that. You know, that fucking sucks, man. It sucks, but it's kind of normal. But uh, yeah. even then, I don't even think to me, Lionsgate doesn't have any factor to this. Like yeah. this is years of bad management. I mean, the fact that yeah. employees were complaining. Here's the thing, right? Glassdoor is a great resource for anonymous reviews yeah. for the fact that there's no repercussion, right? The problem with our industry is that people aren't truthful, aren't able to be truthful until after the fact, mm-hmm. right? All these tweets, all these bad practices, all these things are known things within yeah. our industry, but never really talked about until after it's too late. Imagine this was being reported as is, right? I mean, one of the biggest proponent for us doing the podcast is to empower game developers, right? There's a real movement behind game developers to unionize right now more than ever yeah. all right and to finish my point from before vancouver was over a month ago this sadly is kind of overshadowing that 158 people carbine studios uh, a little before like 50 50 employees um uh there was a couple more just this morning of if you're listening to this you're probably uh five days ago or something disney just laid off a, a huge part of their uh uh part of their company focus refocusing on mobile or something like that. Mm-hmm. I read somewhere and I'll try to link it in our blog post that in the last month and a half, there's about 550 employ uh, game developers out of a job. Yeah. Oh man. 558 game developers in North America yeah. primarily that are looking for jobs right now just to get through winter. And if you are unfamiliar with the game industry, this is the worst time. This is the worst time. It's the scariest time for us because, you know, by this, you're really thinking, am I going to survive the winter? This is the time where layoffs happen. It's the most predictable thing for a game developer to, to, to bet on because 
Most projects either get shipped or get canned at this time. And this to me is the, has been one of the worst third quarters that we've had for the last five years, I would even say. Like I'm going back all the way to the PS3 days where we felt like there was a studio closure every other month. It's, it feels like now that we're near the end of the PS4 cycle that it's happening again. And now finally, you know, we've been having a full week of journalists covering, which is great, right? They're finally, they're, they're helping shedding the light, but kind of, kind of helping gamers primarily or fans of games understand this problem where uh, a lot of our veterans are having a mass exodus, you know, to leave the industry because of these type of work conditions, instability. I mean, our friends alone, like directly last, I would say two or three of our friends directly had to uproot their family recently because of layoff and go all the way to Texas or somewhere uh, that, and then start a new life because most of the jobs are very concentrated areas. And if you don't have jobs, you go to those other concentrated areas. I mean, that's just the way it works. And, you know, besides just reporting what should be known by now by all the listeners out there, Prepare yourself. If you already have a job that is stable, right, that you can see uh, till the end of the project, because that's the realistic approach to having a job is project to project now. Do I have it until and not even to the end of the project, just to like, is there enough buffer till the end of the project that I can pull through? Right. And to start thinking about yourself in any way possible. Your job isn't going to carry you ever until your retirement age. If you're relying on the CEO like Telltale to figure things out to help you retire at that same company, you're already in a losing position. It's never going to happen. Like the game union and all this push behind that to help regulate uh just basic human rights for game developers is happening at the very early stages. I think for now, I feel like a good majority of game developers have gone through a layoff light to either light that fire to finally do something about it and not forget about it ever again, because it's a tough period of their lives and to take note. And so now that the unionizing is becoming more and more of a talk, they're going to, you know, I would ask them to go to Game uh, Game Workers Unite and and try to push that agenda a little. Push more. that agenda, be a part of it somehow, and and you know to prevent this type of thing from happening again. But that's going to be a process. It's going to take a while. In the meantime, to help you immediately, start doing something other than working at your job. I mean, that's really all it comes down to. Like, I feel like the industry has gotten smaller in terms of game developers. It really does. There's fewer, fewer companies. It has. The market has shifted in such a way that, well, on both ends, right? Like the barrier to get into game development has gone, has pretty much disappeared. 
Mm-hmm. Like in 30 minutes, you can download an engine and consider yourself a game developer. You yes. can in a weekend have something ready for sale. I'm not saying it's going to be fantastic or not. I'm just saying like literally in two to three days time, you can go from downloading an engine to releasing a product. Right. right? So get, becoming a game developer has become incredibly easy. Also, there's so many games out there now that the money does not flow within just the professional pool of game developers anymore. There are indie titles. There are even people who don't do it professionally who have made a hit. And not that we are owed the money. I'm just saying the money is now being spread incredibly far. You know, the, the breadth of things that people are purchasing is very wide now. And so therefore it's very hard to not make a hit. You yeah. know what I mean? Like you can't, you can't survive making a $300 million game and it doesn't do as well as you needed it to. Right. Like recouping investment is not enough because that means you did nothing but waste time. If yeah. you didn't two X three X, then your company is in trouble because right. they have to risk the next game. And then the next game, you know what yes. I mean? Yeah. So <laughs> yes, the industry is shrinking. I think it's because it's actually that the opportunities are widening for how and where you can spend money to play games. So therefore right. the usual methods, the usual companies that are retaining that money are not getting as much as they used to. And that's why we're starting to see stuff like this. Yeah, I feel like, like a lot of game developers go on a certain path because, yeah. you know, I think initially a lot of game developers go, come in uh, traditionally traditionally want to work on bigger games. I mean, that that was the path I took and I achieved. And then after I'd gotten on top of that hill, I realized um, how dangerous it was actually yeah. <laughs> just staying up there, right? There's a lot of peaks and valleys. Uh, for a game developer to go on on a journey like that, because you know we just had a guest on um, that's actually coming out next week, and he shared with us twenty two times of moving, and not exactly across. Well, there was part of that moving across the country for a job, but just just moving next to a job at a decent commute and just going to work twenty two times in his fifteen times. years. Yeah, is Let insane years right just look at 22 times <laughs> 22 different places record. dude yeah, 22 different. and I, I at first we we're like gasping and shocked but when i look at my own career you know over 10 years i've moved at a total of six or seven times it's like yeah. i'm on that right of of 22 times yeah. uh and and like you said larry yeah the the entry to become a game developer is a lot easier to learn how to become a game developer, basically to become a professional. I mean, there are, are ways to get in more than ever now that there's an exodus of veterans uh, leaving. There's a lot of spots open. Uh, and I would even say the industry is flourishing, right? We're making more money ever than before year after yeah. year. There's a lot more Fortnite's outlets now. Yeah. Fortnite's making millions. AAA is doing great with, you know, battle Royale, of course. Uh, and then mobile has its own sector. It's doing great. You know, it's, it's opening up indie marketing for, and indie marketing has its resources to, to put your game out there to put in front of people. What's lacking now is that the traditional game developer who are stuck in these three to five year game cycle are out of sync. Mm. All these different sectors of the game development community are really separate. And a lot of that is because again, we're not, we're not a unit in any way, really, right? AAA kind of hangs out with AAA. Mobile is their, are their own space. And then indie developments, their own community. 
right? There's no real convention that kind of marries everyone together where they can rub shoulders and appreciate and, and understand each other, right? Everyone either looks down, looks up, or just don't pay attention, really. And uh, I can't help but feel that the system's kind of set up that way, <laughs> sort of accidentally, but on purpose too. Like when you're working at a company, they, especially the big companies, they make you sign contracts to make sure you don't work on anything else, right? Mm-hmm. Sure, some are more lenient than others, but there is a, um, an indication of their thought that if you are working something else outside of work, that means you're not putting your full energy in your primary work, which is a very old way of thinking, but it's also another way to trap you as an employee uh, uh, in in that type of situation. Right. I mean, a lot of the push that we're trying to do with everything is to make people make game developers realize that, there are ways to get out of this situation without having to go to Google or Facebook, which is, you know, a viable option. They pay well stability. You're not going to move anywhere. It's great. Right. Uh, can't help, but feel that we're, we're losing a lot of our good guys and yeah. uh, it, it's perpetuating this problem because like any industry that can really grow, you need the old guys and the young guys to be around each other to really help guide at the same time, come up with new ideas. Right. And uh, if you start losing one or the other, uh, there's only one way we go, you know, that it goes in a downward spiral spiral. Right. And for, for, for a little bit, I, I felt AAA was kind of declining a bit. Right. Sony's the only one really enjoying things <laughs> with Spider-Man and God of War and, and so Rockstar's going to do pretty well. Rockstar's going to do pretty well, which that's that's yeah, a feature Glassdoor confession right there, three fingers, The three AAA companies doing very, very well. Right. Yeah. But th- this is the thing, right? I know we're focusing on Telltale. Um, you know, with all that bad PR, a day after of them laying off everyone, there were news about them looking and shopping around to finish the Walking Dead seasons, seasons three and four. They're saying, oh, we're working with partners to potentially finish it. And of course, gamers, I don't care in a huge way. I don't care about what gamers' opinions are because in, they don't really help us, you know? Um because Telltale as a company, they feel like the product uh, is greater than the the people, right? Mm-hmm. Essentially with that type of news because they feel like, hey, let's finish the game. But we don't have to finish with our people we just laid off. We just finish and still make money. It's the most profitable way to make this game without spending any money. License it out, finish it, and enjoy the reaping the benefits. <laughs> Gamers everywhere is like, oh, great. Oh, at least that, this and that. Still coming out, yeah. This and that, and then stupid, stupid little comments like, "Oh, you know, shouldn't game developers just be passionate and work for free?" Like, it's the game industry. That's the misconception. I wish, I wish somebody would say that to me. Like, shouldn't you just be passionate and do it for free? Right? Yeah. Like they're trying to treat us like artists. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. exactly. <laughs> uh, like, I, I, to me, I, it's not even worth a commentary. It's like, you, you know, you're an idiot. <laughs> It's just like, do I have to explain to you the way life works? <laughs> it's like you need a job. In a capitalistic society, for yeah, sure. You exactly. Yeah, so uh, I won't even uh, humor uh, that any further. But 
Telltale themselves, you know, from the initial 225 got laid off is 275 now, uh, mostly because, uh, you know, there's a class action suit. You know, there's a lot of backlash from everywhere, right? Um, class action suit. Uh, the essentials of the class action suit is that the, there's a California Warren Act mm-hmm. where you need to have 60 days before closure of ample enough time for the employees to react, right? Mm-hmm. The day of is just against the law. So I don't know where that's going to be, but if they do win, if the class action suit just do win, I mean, they basically tell to tell all those employees potential salaries for the 60 days yeah. plus interest. Yeah. Right. So it's a big one. So hopefully that has a happy ending. Yeah, but right but now, where does that yeah. money come from though? If like, if you are doing bad business, if your business doesn't have money to give, yeah, you know, unless you're going to split shares of IP, you know, with, so like, okay, well, that, well, that game that was going to get finished, we will give you X percent and you will recoup it. Exactly. I, I guess. Yeah. I would sue for that. Fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> well, make it them. harder for them to even, yeah. I mean, the fact that news happened and then uh, shortly after telltale season passes were pulled from all the digital shops, steam, right. Mm-hmm. They're not selling them anymore as a reaction. I don't know to- why they would have done that either is i think right now we can all agree they're fuck-ups and (laughs) they're just bad at making decisions right so uh one after another they're probably been warned by lawyers like you're you're on a bad pr no one's going to want to work with you if you keep continuing making terrible terrible moves in the news right because then it affects your partners or potential partners so just pull everything make goodwill which they're trying to right i heard like this coming week or something uh or this week when you're hearing this podcast that they're hosting a job fair at the headquarters right something that they didn't announce at the layoff uh coincidentally right so obviously they weren't planning on doing it they weren't planning on doing it but this why why is this happening why does this happen 558 game developers lost their jobs right and it wasn't until after the fact that everyone started reporting all the bad practices started to talk about all the bad working conditions uh how how shocked and surprised they were they knew things were bad but they didn't think things will happen so sudden why is this type of thing seems so uh it's uh, let's be real though right like you're not going to talk about your ex-wife until she's your ex-wife right right like it's when you're still depending on this company to be the provider of your paycheck, food, healthcare, insurance, sure, you'll be working on your portfolio to try to plan your exit strategy. You know, sure, you might in the interview say why you're looking to move on, but that's in secret, that's in private. You probably would not be cheerleading like a big cause to like raise awareness for how bad a company is treating you unless everyone was doing it, hence the right. unionization. Right. If you're by yourself and you know that if you're the outlier, and you can get fired for whatever reason, because it's an at-will state, California, and someone can replace you, you're shooting yourself in the foot if for any reason you give the employer um, an opportunity to like realize that you need to be let go for whatever they put completely at will, and you mm-hmm. can't defend it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I for sure know that like if I was dependent on my paycheck and I was like, man, shit, I really hate these conditions. I hate what they're doing. I really want to get behind this cause that's going to help change this. But as of right now, I'd be doing it by myself. So therefore, I have to keep playing the game, keep smiling and nodding until I get that offer letter. Then I write my next door review and it's going to be scathing. It's going to tell all, Mm -hmm. which is why now that the job is gone, 
I mean, there's no backlash. They're already unemployed. That's when they can tell whatever the hell, why ever the hell, you know, to whoever the hell. Which I'm that, glad. That's my take. Well, I'm, I'm very glad that's happening. But we know there are companies right now that are doing the very same thing that they're complaining about. And employees are sitting tight and not saying a thing about it because of yeah. repercussions, right? Which is a very sad thing because we don't have a single central control for for that represents game developers and we have game workers unite is is, is trying to get there i mean we have igda which in my whole career i don't know what they do (laughs) to be honest i've never seen them doing a press release on when things are happening right i'm kind of calling them out because (laughs) please if you want to come on the show and correct us please but for my whole career, I've known them since my education. I knew they, they've, I've known them, they, you know, they've been around. Mm-hmm. But just a little research, I found out like one of the, the, the chairman of IGDA used to be uh, a HR or, or one of the person that ran that studio in, uh, was it Maryland? It was owned by that guy, the baseball sure. guy. Yes, that whole shenanigan where they yeah. had a lot of money from the government, millions of dollars, and was squandered it. Squandered it, and she's like the head of IGDA, IGDA or something. Well, well she was she was actually uh, running the talk for unionization yeah. at GDC that picked up a lot of steam. Mm-hmm. She was the one kind of just challenging why we, you know, as an industry shouldn't. Uh, unite right and have a union we shouldn't unite well she it was more of a stance of you know uh you know the there are bad conditions uh Mm -hmm. there are bad things about unionizing which i you know there are but for who right that Mm -hmm. type of thing but she was taking the she she was either taking the devil's advocate right to kind of just represent the other side or she really feels that way who knows? But the fact that her reputation comes from a studio that squandered a lot of money from the government to create a MMO that no one ever saw and is behind a studio that like laid off a bunch of people themselves yeah. <laughs> for four years. Into the, yeah. How the hell did she make it over there? Anyways, <laughs> let's not attack. Let's not attack. But I'm just saying this is. I get it. I get These it. These are organizations that are supposedly You're seeing some very familiar symptoms. Very familiar symptoms that are supposed to come in and kind of be the voice when this happens, so that game developers know where to, you know, go to to seek help. Right now, everyone's kind of out on their own. Right. Yeah. Right now, the Bay Area. If you get laid off, San Francisco Bay Area. Good luck. It's it's a death sentence. Your rent here. You're basically living paycheck to paycheck just to cover rent and to live, right? Uh, I'm not saying it's impossible to save, right? If you're great with your money, you're, there's always a way, no matter how much you're making. But our salary here don't reflect uh, the, inf- the inflation rate of, of how, what it takes to live up here, right? But basically, there's a cap on, on a game developer salary. Every, and once you hit that cap, it's the same everywhere else. Yeah. It used to be five years ago where the Bay Area jobs paid like 10 to 20% more. But as inflation happens, you know, er- everywhere started to reach that certain ceiling of what a game developer should make. And it's, it has stayed that way which is a problem because the rent 
in the Bay Area is the highest in the country. So when something like this happens, the rug pulled out from under you and you only have a, like no severance, which is the worst. Your health care is ending in a week. You're, you're, you're at a time where you're competing with 549 other people looking for a job mm-hmm. at that time. Right? We're talking about a month where game developers or just 500 people got, got laid off. I can't, I can't help but feel like, well, everyone's screwed. Right? <laughs> it's like, it's just, you know, I'm not trying to yeah. paint. No, no, no. You know what I mean? I, I'm trying to be, you know, the spin is now, if you have a job now, think about past your project, dude. This is going to happen to you guys. We look at this. I've been laid off before once. It's horrible. It's a horrible place to be. Uh, and then for anyone that's been laid off, you know, if you're not thinking about what your future could be uh, without working for someone else, then you're, you're just waiting for things to, to hurt you. Basically the guy in the yacht is fine. (laughs) The CEO of Telltale, there's, there's no debt. In his bank account. He tweeted in his decision to close the studio. Exactly. <laughs> from, a, from a remote company. No, I, I'm just being. No, know. he's an asshole. He just got of his no, spine. You don't I'm, need to protect him. Painting a picture of like, yeah, it's it's different, right? Like yeah. whenever, when the studio closes and everyone's talking about like, man, seven days of health insurance, usually your executive staff is not also saying, yeah, how are we going to survive? Yeah. No, like, it's never their problem. They're thinking about. What other studio they can start up after this? <laughs> what PR that they can spin? Oh, well, what why I can say yeah. uh, for all my brothers and sisters out there in game development is one of the things I'm really excited about in our industry right now is we have bust down some doors in other industries where our skills and expertise are very valuable. So, for example, like Unreal has cloned and i'm using air quotes cloned its engine because they now have like unreal studio or whatever it's called and that's for like architectural visualization that's for doing previs movie stuff non-game related but if you know unreal 4 for video games you can go into that program and use it just as well uh you if you're an artist an environment artist right now lighter you can probably get with two, three of your friends, maybe look for an arc viz project, try to do something to utilize your skills outside of video game development. Even if it's just a part-time thing where you're working with, you know, a real estate developer and just doing stuff for them once a month, twice a month, that's a gig, that's extra money, that's stuff on the side. That's not a competing with your main job. So you're not, you know, breaking your contract, but you're literally using the same skills, you know? So I don't know. I, I, I hope you guys are looking for stuff is all i'm trying to say i i don't want anybody to think that like oh you know they're right it is the hardest time of the year to find a job but you still got to look right pull up your contacts call the people you know who are employed and see if they need you don't be too proud to do that send that email you know go to gamasutra.com look at those jobs even if 500 other people see it you know do it anyway you know um what else is there freaking just creativeheads.net. That's what I used to use back in the day. I think they still put out their email blasts and they still collect their jobs. CG society, go anywhere where there's a community of people that do a thing and go see what you can find. Uh, Yeah. LinkedIn is a really good resource. Obviously there's hashtag telltale, telltale jobs. Uh, A lot of, uh, you know, this is a time where a lot of 
uh, other game studios um, reach out to to try to help. And, uh, you know, you just got to be aware. LinkedIn is actually pretty good. Twitter is another good one. Uh, A lot of recruiters use this as an opportunity to hire good people. Um, But, I mean, 558 people, not everyone's going to get a job, obviously. Not not in a timely matter. Um, If I was one of the 558, I would try anyway, you know, obviously. Right. Definitely try. But this is the thing, man. I'm going to be the negative Nancy here. Even if you get another job, it's going to happen again in two, three years. I mean, let's be honest, especially around the Bay Area, right? Mm. We're talking about, uh, what, a month and a half ago or two months ago. uh, You know, I would say six, seven months ago, like Hangar 13, right? Right next to Telltale. Right, Telltale is in San Rafael. Hangar 13 was uh, in Novato. We're talking about like five exits away. So I, I'll be willing to bet a lot of Hangar 13 employees got the job at Telltale, and then this happened. Like, I, I would be willing to bet that at least those guys got laid off twice this year or something like that. Oh, man. Which is the reality of this oh. problem. It's not a... We got to backtrack all the way how triple A... And Telltale isn't exactly triple A. They're like double A or something. But basically how this business works, we got to rethink and be more responsible on how to do business. They had 275 people. That type of line where you're waiting for two, three years of of production. You put out a game, then you don't make any money. And then you wait. Yeah. And you wait and then it just doesn't work. And it's so irresponsible for P for us to keep doing games like that. Yeah. It's going to happen when that model made sense, right? We're talking Nintendo through PlayStation three Yeah, where there wasn't as many game companies. There wasn't as many game tools. There weren't as many games to compete with. So that's why when you look at, hey, what games are coming out in October? Four. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. What games are coming out in December? Seven. Yeah. Now it's like when you look at Steam, when you look at just all the ways games can come out, if you include apps, if you include download, all that shit, how many games are coming out today? Yeah. 215. You know yeah. what I mean? It's a crowded market for sure. We can't do business like we used to. You can't do business like that. You got to be more creative. Um, And if you're going to do make games like it used to be in PS2 days, we're talking about 60 developers, right? The equivalent of that are, um, there's a recent game company that I've been, you know, eyeing and uh, they just released uh, the Warhammer Vermintide. Two game, uh, two, yeah. yeah, it's like Left for Dead, but like four, uh, in medieval four, times. I think, right, four months like ago, Fat Shark games, right? Yeah. This is the rise of the AAA indie yeah. game companies, which are the harking back to the sixty player, uh, sixty developers working on a game, and is able to afford to sell five hundred thousand copies or one million copies, which is a more reasonable number, uh, and, and a shorter development time shorter scope and, and 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 testing the waters early right that shark, <laughs> shark. I, I, when i'm looking at publishers nowadays and they're they're willing to take 300 million dollars to sell like one top tier game god i wish they would like i want to just pitch to them and be like hey can you give me 
$100 million. Let me start a company that I'll run for 10 years. And you don't have to give us any more money because we're going to be shooting at a whole different level. You know, we will develop IP. We're going to work small. We're going to be agile because what I'm seeing about the market right now is agility more than anything is what's going to win. And I say Fortnite. I don't want to just keep pointing at Fortnite, but Fortnite, they did the old model. They spent... I forget how long I knew about Fortnite, how long it was being teased that it's in development, that it's going to have this, it's going to have that. And they put it out and it's like, oh, yeah, you know, 200,000 copies. Good job. 400,000 or whatever. Right. Cool. Boom. Holy shit. Let's put in this battle royale mode and see how it does. Bam. Biggest game in the world right now. You know what I mean? I think that four or five year model, if you're not bankrolled by Sony itself, if you're not a rock star, if you're not just you've already got the fan base where you could put dog shit in a box and put a title on it that says GTA five. And that's not saying GTA five will be dog shit. I'm yeah. just saying, or, you know, <clears throat> will be it. Sorry, I'm, I'm choking up. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, rock star could put an empty box and call it GTA six. And, people and everyone like, oh, man, it, yeah. pre-ordered, pre-ordered already. Yeah. It's they have that's, the percentage where they can do the old model still. Right. But. There's not a lot of rock stars out there. There's not a lot of Sony Santa Monica studios out there. You know what I mean? Making those $300 million, $200 million games, man, I would rather just like, hey, let's just skip one of those games, start maybe a small studio that's doing two, three, $4 million projects and hope that one of them does 10X, 15X. Yeah, in that example itself, Sony Santa Monica couldn't even do Sony Santa Monica. They had like a... They had a bump with Ascension where, yeah. oh, you know, yeah. they they just came out with the same thing mm-hmm. and it didn't do well. And then they backtracked and they changed everything, the whole formula to make it work. Anytime you spend 45 years, you're always starting over. It's always new. Yeah. So even if you're a seasoned company, you know, the industry has a problem where there's a lot of it's volatile and there's a lot of turnover. You're never starting out. And ending with the same development team, game to game. Very few studios have kept people. All right. And even at this point, I, I think Blizzard is the only are the only guys. Uh maybe the Witcher team, right? The very few companies, right? Even GTA, I would say there's a lot of turnover rate, right? <laughs> And Rockstar is a whole another story. Right now, I from the things I'm hearing from Rockstar in their working condition, they're the worst when it comes to that. Right, I'm kind of calling them out, but everyone knows in the industry is like, oh yeah, those guys work those guys to death. Right, Red Dead's coming now. Everyone's like super excited about that, and then this is the fandom kind of taking over. Uh, you know the uh, what's, what's that saying? The the means to an end, right? Mm-hmm. And so mean the ends to the mean the game developers at the sacrifice at the end product. And that has always been the story. And that is yeah, why. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's the story that like we we're always sacrificed just to get the product out. The product beats us. Therefore, you know, we're replaceable. Therefore, uh, veterans don't really mean a thing. Therefore, you're not going to see a lot of 65 year old veterans in the game industry right everyone within a five six year window is already looking at alternatives because as we have a as we you know form a family get married move on with life yeah we're tired of moving around man (laughs) 
it gets really tiring. And to go to another place with the same set of immature problems and you can only see what the end of the story will be like. And it's just, again, like what Telltale is. Telltale is a unique situation. I mean, they started out small and they hit it big with the Walking Dead series. And a lot of the bad business practice where they grew too fast and they, you know, didn't adapt to the the change, right? They kept going with that single narrative story, same model, DLC, DLC. They did Game of Thrones. Minecraft, I think, did really well. Game of Thrones did decent. But they came out with another, you know, Batman didn't do as well as they thought. All these other things uh, with two, three-year cycles. And obviously, they had the money to grow the team, and they used it for that to finish the product without thinking of the risk of what if it doesn't match our last game sales, which from what I've heard, you know, it's just slowly declined from the height of their success. So now you become a problem, right? When you don't succeed versus where they just, if they decided to build off of their success early on with a smaller team at a slower rate, they could, you know, they could have had enough room to defend themselves if the numbers started to drop, right? They took on all this risk. And as soon as a little gust of wind happens, the, 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 what, what was it? The camel broke the straw back. Broke the camel's back. The straw that broke its camel back. The camel's back. Um, and it's the same story as any other game company that closes its doors around this time. And a lot of journalists out there, they are starting to finally talk about this, this problem with game veterans leaving a lot of this problem where this is an issue, a known issue where we work a lot, we work too hard for Versus other tech companies for shit pay, right? Being in the Bay Area and everything, we get paid half as much. Oh, yeah. If you're a game programmer. It, yeah, it's not even, it's laughable, right? You're the laughing stock of the third, engineering world. Already are getting one third. But it's a fun industry and it's a very challenging industry, not because of them overworking us, but like the type of problems we solve is very creative and it's fun to overcome them, right? The love, the passion for the game is always going to be there. And I don't want to use misuse passion the same way that employers misuse passion. They use it as a way to guilt you into not overworking yourselves, right? They use it as a way to trap you, right? I'm using it as a way, it's like deep down inside, we love being in this industry because we love being in the industry, but that doesn't dismiss my basic human rights of earning a living and being, you know, treated as a person. If, uh, if the company isn't doing well, right. So what I'm saying to a lot of game developers out there that have a job who are listening to this, do yourself a favor and invest in yourself. The company that you work for is a company that you work for. Sure. But there's got to be a separation of the same thing that you see when you sign on to a company, an at-will employment, 
you know, where, you know, the employee takes the most risk <laughs> out of that contract, you got to really treat it as so, right? Do what you can within those eight hours, give it your best, but invest in yourself and better yourself yeah. so that when things do happen, you're, you're well prepared, right? There's a lot of resources out now. Everyone in the game industry, this is the part that upsets me and I'm not getting mad at anyone else, but ourselves, everyone else is profiting from the game industry, except for game developers. We got game streaming, doing a kick-ass job and even within their group right the top one percent are the top one percent sure but it's a huge millionaires multi-millionaires right you can't think of a single developer outside of a guy who runs the studio is a multi-millionaire just by being good at game developing right you're not hearing like some random animator out there becoming a a millionaire over a multi-million or billion dollar game that made loads of money that still has yet to happen which is freaking bonkers if you really think about it, right? And yes, there are marketing, there's all this different stuff, but compare us to the visual effects company, the movie industry, where they have a lot more people working on a single property from start to finish, right? To produce a movie, there's a lot more people involved. You take a game like Call of Duty, you take you know any other license, even with outsourcing, it's a fraction of the size of people that actually are needed to finish a product. But yet the cut of the pie is so minimal. And what's even worse, because we are not talking to each other or we don't have a centralized group that regulates things, even if we're lucky enough to be and lucky in quote, unquote, uh, quotation, uh, quotation marks, lucky that we have a bonus structure, a promise of a bonus. There are no regulation to even dictate what that bonus structure looks like. And it's totally up to the person employing you. It's still a sore spot for me. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. So no matter what we're talking about, the streamers profiting journalism is at all time high. There's so much, so many games, so many industries to cover. There's so many readers, so much interest of getting into the game industry. Uh, people are way more educated now that game press, I feel like is at all time high. There's so many resources to get your game news now. So they're doing well. Uh, gamers are obviously having fun playing all these different types of games. I, I can't think of anyone else that is lower than us in the totem pole. And isn't that uh, shitty? I mean, we define the guys in the trenches. Yeah. Even though, you know, when we do finish a project, we have a lot more creative input to make that project successful, right? To be honest, the way that I look at it is I, I feel a lot like a McDonald's employee. It's just scaled differently. Yeah. Right. People want the Big Mac. They don't give a shit that I'm the one putting it together. You know what I mean? Right. You know who gets money? The people who own the McDonald's. And you know who's happy about the Big Mac? The consumer who spent the money on it. But the person like I hate to say it like this, but I I feel like in the industry as a person who creates this product, I'm just higher paid. But essentially, it's like being a burger flipper. You know what I mean? Yes. Because I'm replaceable. 
uh, I they don't want me to unionize. Right. They, you know, as much as I may love the job, as much as I'm told like for the team and yeah, yeah. love what you do and we're a family and all of that stuff, they want you excited to flip those burgers because they know the burgers taste better when you give a shit about how you make the burger. Right. But when you know your son is like doing a thing at school looking for donations. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like <laughs> it's not team. It's, not it's a very personal issue. It's very. I gotta reach. All right, I gotta. All right. <laughs> Obviously, there's some undertone behind that, and I've shared this on the podcast still before. Funny to me, man. I'll go through. Funny I'll go through it a little. Okay. <laughs> At a very successful company, obviously, always talking about team effort, always talking about helping others. We would have monthly charity events where the team get together and do something for the community. I was like, oh, great. Well, my son's school is asking for a little contribution for an auction. This is an easy thing. Go into HR and I ask, hey, is there anything we got lying around, any swag, anything that I can contribute to a basket so I can give away as an auction item for my son's school in the local community? Right. Even before I asked that, I believe she says no. And she's like, we don't have any money. Right. So <laughs> to frame this more correctly, all I came in to ask was, hey, uh, there's something I need help with. My son's having an auction. The, <laughs> the reply was no. <laughs> I was like, wait, I didn't tell you. <laughs> I didn't what tell you, you when doing? or where or what. You already declined my offer, right? So to me, that <laughs> to go back to the analogy that you were saying about the McDonald's flipper, right? And this is not to downplay anyone that works at McDonald's. Hard work, hard pay, you know, way to earn your wages. But I feel like, yeah, I feel like the game developer kind of helped figure out how that burger was formed. Mm. Right? We have a lot of creative input into that Big Mac. You know what I mean? If it was a down, it was a a written formula given to us and we were just kind of retreading old steps and just following, you know, the rule book and just recreating assets or recreating gameplay design or whatever from, from somewhere else, then yeah, sure. There is, even though it's shitty, you know, it's lesser of an issue, I think. But if this thing didn't exist without this whole, all the guys in the trenches input, I hear you. Where's my piece of the pie? That and that's it, right? Like yeah. I'm me bringing up the McDonald's reference is more of the understanding of right. where the power is, where the finances go, and what the expectations are, right? Yes, yeah. Um, I miss the days where I felt like game companies were all ran by dudes who wore Hawaiian shirts, flip flops, and socks and sandals. Mm-hmm. Uh, not to rag on our industry, but what I mean is like when it was all passionate game developers, like the person making the business decision down to the person opening the door and saying, welcome to our studio. It was all just passionate people, you know, putting their games on shareware discs, sending them out, you know, like getting their game in a demo for a PSM magazine, like a company of like 11 people. And, Oh, that guy took some business classes, you know, over the summer. That's why he's helping us with marketing. Right. Uh, I definitely know that our industry has grown and become more professional, but I've always hated that corporate taste because corporate 
always fakes connection, in my opinion. It always fakes connection. Whenever you see a company trying to do something like, hey, look at this this advertisement campaign that we put out to really show that we're aligning with a cause or that we're trying to do all this great stuff. You know, we want you to feel like, yeah, those guys are like moving stuff. Those guys give a shit. I'm going to give them more of my money. They wouldn't have done it if it wasn't for the, I'm going to give them more of my money. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's all calculated. It's, it's, I feel like we've gotten way off the, <laughs> off the, no, I mean, the this is part of part, it. but I'm but just, the, yeah. the telltale part is, it's sadly yeah. a problem that's repeating itself over and over again. A lot of it has to do with a lot of veterans yeah. playing it safe and just trying to survive or just straight up left. All right. The people that had, gone through this and possibly have better solutions to prevent an issue like, Hey, maybe we shouldn't grow. Hey, maybe we shouldn't ignore, you know, what we're really about. Hey, maybe throwing a lot of people to a problem doesn't solve the problem, you know, mm-hmm. and then just, <laughs> just keep keep hammering at a nail that's already broken. You know what I mean? Which feels like what the situation is for most studios that close down. It's the same thing. It's like you, you scale too fast basically, and you don't have enough income to take over, take care of the scaling, right? Your output is less than your input. If that makes sense. Right. It's just a basic business problem. And I'm not saying like this, it's all, well, it's definitely the management's fault, mm-hmm. but this is just a basic business problem too, right? That affected a lot of people because of bad business practices. It sucks that 275 people suffer from it. Yeah. It, might, it would have been better if, they kept it at two, you know, 120 or whatever that skeleton crew was that made the first walking dead successful and added a few more people for the follow-ups than to hire 170 people that uprooted and left just to lay them off a week before or, you know, a year before or whatever. Right. I think if I can jump in, I think that one of the things that I'm seeing, and I, I can't call a specific time as to when this started occurring, but I remember when I started to feel that bug was like, remember watching the social network, yeah. Mark Zuckerberg's like, or uh, Justin Timberlake playing fucking Sean, Sean something, something from Napster. He's like, right. you know what's better than a million? A billion, right? Yeah. From yeah. that quote on, I felt like, yeah, everyone is like, yeah, I want a Lambo too. Yeah. And growth became the target, not sustainability. Yes. Sustainability is for suckers. Yes. Right. That's in business for 50 years is like, that's, that's what my dad used to do. You know right. what I want? I want to retire in four years. Yeah. So I'm going to leverage relationships. I'm yeah. going to leverage people. I'm going to yes. build and I'm going to exit. Yes. I'm not going to form connections. I'm not yes. going to care about yes. people's careers, yes. people's families. Yes. I'm going to squeeze this goddamn orange until I get every last drip of juice out of it, sell the juice and then move on to another piece of produce. Right. And that is the the result of of what this industry has become. Like because we know it's a survivor uh, of the fittest t- type of situation, mm-hmm. uh, it breeds that type of behavior where it gets very political. Right, everyone's out for their own skin. Right, they're all. They're, I mean, they're is that the right 
way of saying it. Man, I'm quoting a lot of things I don't know. But <laughs> like, you're trying to save your own ass, I guess. Save your own ass, basically. Yeah. Yes. Um, and and so it breeds that type of behavior. Like I've been at a studio where they were both uh, developing for uh, like a mobile Gear VR, and they were both working for a AAA. Mm. and just you know different sets of people but the same studio but uh you know i was helping out with both and there was this weird ass switch right even if like the main head guys were working on both projects one was just inherently triple a bad where like you know things weren't working but no one was talking about it because of uh you know the 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 lead designer has like an in with the the studio founder and for some reason you know they they don't want to talk about it where you know i would bring up the fact hey can we just get together and just talk about the status of the game and and stuff and why it's working or what's what is working in in that type of way not even like a a a vindictive or just trying to fix the game right no no could not schedule it uh things like that they're trying to avoid the problem right of a potential problem of like everyone voicing their opinion just a simple fact like that and then i go work on the other project you ever are first day of uh, working on there is like all right everybody qa big or small come in a room let's discuss that's been in the industry long enough to understand how the industry is has that mental switch where they're in their survivor mode and they're looking out for themselves and they're doing everything they can to, like you said, uh, diminish all the, the relationship to uh, numero uno is me. <laughs> and, and would just, and would just make it out in their own mind where, you know, they come out as the, the good guy, right? Because the, these, these people at Telltale are not, feeling bad they're feeling bad at the re, you know the bad press mm-hmm. but they themselves like hey you know i did everything i could to keep the studio uh going as long as i could right it was not me it's lion gates they backed out right this is the only choice we had right this is this type of reason they go through in their own mind to shift blame basically and so everybody in this tree does this and they forget and they move on to another barrier company and that barrier company has the same exact issues because it's a new team again 558 people right let's say everyone gets a job you're working with a new team and if you stick with the same model three five years down the line there's going to be another layoff because the old dogs the old guards are running it the only way they've always known, right? Which is a problem that triple A projects are having. They go into this three year, five year cycle and their, their eyes is always on the prize. They're not paying attention to what mobile's doing. They don't pay attention to how the indie uh, developers are uh, changing the landscape. They don't look at how free to play and Fortnite. uh, is adapting to the market, right? Uh, they don't look at how the customers are buying their games differently. They miss all this. They miss everything that is changing within the industry. And they come out five years later with their dream project or whatever, and they question why it isn't working. 
right? It's just lazy, dude. You can't look and create something in tech in for five years anymore. There's so much happening every day in our industry. So much innovation. Five years from now, VR might be the thing, right? People don't want to, well, I, th- I feel like people will always want to play on a flat screen. But the way people consume uh, media compared to everything else that they... It's just evolving. and It's just up. evolving and changing. And, and if you don't have a business mindset, then you're going to then you don't know your customers. Essentially that's what it is, right? My main thing is I think for sure like from let's say early Nintendo to PlayStation 3, I would say there were cycles that I believed in, right? Even though technology was advancing, we were still seeing people make the same types of decisions because they had the same options available even though new customers were coming in, old customers were coming out. If you wanted to play games, you bought the console. If you wanted the best shooter game or the best racing game or the best whatever game, you bought the game from that company, right? Move on, here's the next generation. Cell phones still wasn't popping yet for gaming when PlayStation 2 comes out, so the cycle repeats. PS3, iPhones are like coming out, you know what I mean? Like there everything is starting to happen, but it's still dominant console is the thing. So nobody changed. No one changed. No one looked at it and said, wow, you know what? Now technology is is rapidly iterating. It's rapidly growing and expanding the breadth of which people can interact with media, consume media or play and experience media is changing so great in such a small period of time from, let's say, 2014, maybe even 2015 to 2018. In just those four years right there. Well, three and some change, I'll say, because depending on how you count your years, if you go 15, 16, 17, 18, because we're almost done with this year. Anyway, because I don't want people to call me on math. I'm just (laughs) just explaining how I feel. Right. Now it's different because now you have to understand that 16-year-olds today might have completely missed PS2, PS1. They're not in the console cycle. They had a console point in time, but now they're like, oh, you know what? I can play Fortnite on anything. So now they're in this world where they're starting to see console ties being something that doesn't matter to them, right? right? And it's just going to get worse and worse and worse. Yes. If companies aren't looking at the fact that the next five years from that 16-year-old is going to be, you know, some 10-year-old who, or excuse me, some 11-year-old, see, now I did fuck up the math, some 11-year-old who doesn't give a shit about PS4, PS3, PS2, he doesn't care about any of that. It's all about the software, yeah, and how exactly. they, he doesn't care where he gets it you from. you got to be looking at the people who are going to be consuming your games. you got to be looking and sampling the life cycles and decisions and things that are available right. to these people right. and understand that this shit is not cyclical. Right. Stuff is changing. The business the is changing. S- the smart people in the 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 leaders of our industry right now are looking at Fortnite, right? We 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 rag on Fortnite. Obviously, Fortnite, its history is the classical, well, it's the epitome of a AAA company that is adapting to change. Mm-hmm. Right. They were themselves in a five-year cycle yeah, on a yeah. game that wasn't a hit. Mm-hmm. Right. they they were a company that didn't, they were working on another game, Paragon, that yeah. was proven not a hit. Right. And they were inspired by indie developer. They saw the numbers and they shifted and adapted within a month and a half. They came out with that mode and they've been thinking like that ever since they've been thinking um, uh, from a free to play point of view 
which they've never done before and are able to react because they're a, they're the, finally a data-driven company now. They're looking at every day and they're paying attention to the customers. And the customers are telling them, I want to play this on mobile. They shift, they moved to mobile even before uh, Battlegrounds did. And so now they become the leader and the mobile company, the mobile market themselves are completely, uh, uh, are being pushed with Fortnite. Fortnite is not just affecting the AAA mentality, but but they are upsetting the way mobile works now. Mobile before was all about uh, pay to win mostly. Right. Uh, And now they have a product on mobile. That's all about vanity. Mm -hmm. And it's mostly skill based. Could you imagine trying to sell your ninety nine cent game today? No, on the, <laughs> like I hate to say it, but like There's I would no just, way. I would let that just go. give it up. But this is what the customer. We've groomed the customers to think of a certain way. It might be the reason why we're having idiots out there saying like, shouldn't you just make the game for free? Shouldn't you uh, do this and that? Because you know we've exposed them to excellent games for free. Right. And this is the way it is. And you have to think of that customer of what would appeal because you can still sell something. And Fortnite has proven even on mobile that you don't have to pay to win. Right. It's completely 100 percent skill based, but you just pay for clothes or hats and you still make a billion dollar game, basically 400 million dollars a month. So they've mobile is looking at Fortnite is like, holy shit, this is a new era of mobile now. Triple A quality games, cross-platform. This is something mobile is going to actually, I would say, out of the two markets, mobile is going to react better to Fortnite and faster than Triple A reacting to Fortnite and think like mobile, right? It is a shift. It is a change. Unfortunately, Telltale um, didn't pay attention to any of that. Imagine, imagine back when Walking Dead, fresh off their success, right? They made a name for themselves to doing well. From that point forward, you know, what would have been, and obviously me and you can't fix Telltale's problem. Anyway, we're not in a position. Definitely not now. now. You know, we're, we're just looking out from the outside in at a situation that could have been handled better. Um, you know, I think they would have benefited a lot. And the, and, and, and the problem is it's a single narrative game. And that's another topic that we've been bringing up uh, a lot in our previous episodes where narrative games are kind of having a rough time right now with mm-hmm. Twitch being a thing, right? That's another phenomenon that's happening that you can't ignore how the... Yeah, the market is changing. The customer is consuming media, our medium differently. And and again, like you said, a casualty. But I have to say, man, I would have been, I don't know, if they shifted to another formula. Uh, yes, people are wanting, wanting uh, Walking Dead. I'm, I'm not saying that they're not selling shit, right? We're, we're saying declining sales, but I would say it sells decently. It's just in proportionate to the developer's size. Mm-hmm. of a, of the company right if you know if they should have looked at that math and be like all right this is how much we're selling therefore you know we should not size up we should size down and try to produce a quality thing at this price you know it would have been a better strategy and 
you know, if that's their thing, if that's your niche, you know, finding out what the average sale would be and hitting that target every time is like, all right, we, this is a dependable target. If we come out with a singer narrative game with a certain IP, right? And that that's another thing that hurt them, right? They didn't have IPs of their own. As a company, they weren't really attractive, right? Because they didn't have their own licenses. They would they were relying on licenses. And I would have to say they were probably paying for those licenses, right? Licenses, you know, only a few of them were actually paying them to make it. Yeah. And that was a gamble they took because they probably felt that over time, you know, Netflix would finally come and help. And they did, right? They did with Stranger Things and all this different Minecraft and all this stuff. But, you know, that was too, lo- too late, basically, right? It wasn't sustainable. Well, uh, I, I just want to leave with this, right? Game Dev Unchained, right? The reason why we interview everybody from every industry is to give you a wider variety of choices as a game developer, using your skills to do whatever you want, right? And whatever you want, hopefully, isn't just about serving the paycheck, earning the paycheck, which you should, but learning how to the same way we're we're kind of like lecturing these companies how to better their business. You need to think of yourself as a business because we're not unionized, which means no one else is looking out for us except for us. Right. You got to think of yourself as a business of how you can brand yourself because it's going to help you in two folds, right? It's going to make you a hotter commodity for future companies that are going to work at, right? Because you have all these different skill set outside of an average developer, but also you're future proofing yourself to be relevant to different things that are happening outside of the company that you're working for. And the only thing that has been declining has been veteran game developers, right? The upside to that is everything else is growing. Social media, the way we stream, people enjoying games, people more educated about games and developers, everything is growing. So there's a growing business out there that you need to be a part of as a game developer. Like you need to learn how to leverage these different marketing opportunities to market yourself to make connections, to work on side projects, to find other ways outside of your primary income to keep yourself afloat. Because a situation like this where you are going to be laid off with 550 people, no matter how good you are, it's going to be more than you being seasoned or whatever, right? If someone's just as good as you, less experienced and cheaper than you, they're probably going to get that guy. <laughs> it's a good chance. And if you are a family man who aren't able to relocate or move, the single guy is going to tell, totally beat you. There's so many different, you're, you're in competitive mode now. Yeah. Your brother and sister is sure. If there's one job though, you know, yeah. it's a friendly competition. It's fair game as it should be. Don't let that happen to you guys. And to our Telltale guy, friends out there, man, who are listening, just hang in there. You're going to make it. Great developers always get hired. It's just a matter of time. It's going to feel long. Definitely get the unemployment for sure. Yeah. Cut back on your expenses if you can. Look to your friends and family at this point of your life because it's going to feel 
it's going to feel terrible, but you won't feel lonely. Right. There's, there's definitely good moments in times like this. Uh, you know, yes, this is probably the worst way to spend more time with your family, but also, you know, the only ways in our type of uh, business to spend more time with your kids and wife. Right. As long as you learn how to a great time to learn how to financially manage your, your, your income in a better way, but also to, um, to f- feel everything that you're feeling to remember this because the next time you, you know, as soon as you land on your feet, start thinking survivor mode before it's forced upon you. Yep. I, I agree, man. I just want to say again to everybody out there who's affected by this layoff specifically, or even any of the recent layoffs in the game industry, things will get better. Keep your head up. Even though right now you may want to cry, you may want to scream, you may want to be very angry. Definitely look into the class action lawsuit if you're going to join up. Um, and I, I wish you guys the best. Right. Game Workers Unite, get involved, even if you're not affected. It's time, guys. It's it's really time. And before I sign off, I just want to leave you with this thought. Voice actors <laughs> two years ago who haven't been in the industry as long as we have decided to unionize and they're unionized. (laughs) Like they have laws and, and regulations where they're treated way better, (laughs) way better. And they were able to do that in a shorter amount of time. And it's only because they have been in other industries that this is, that that was a regular thing. So they knew a better life. And they came into our industry and saw what was going on and disagreed with it. And I remember that time we were, you know, game developers were angry at them. It was like, why would you get a bonus if I haven't yet? That's not their fault. Yeah. Go get yours then. They did something about it. It's silly that we haven't yet. Right. And anyone that's arguing against a game union saying that there are uh, terrible things about unionizing, slower, slower the process or whatever. Is this even better? Is this better than than whole, what's happening? Whole company shutting down day of. Whole company. No, no warning. No severance. 558 people, game developers in North America without a job right now, competing against each other while the man in a yacht is laughing away. Yeah, and your CEO <laughs> is definitely not going to go look for unemployment. Yeah. Definitely not going to be in that I need a job line. That's a problem, guys. Even though it won't solve all our problems, it's better than this. Seriously. I'm going to go be a voice actor. <laughs> I know. If you have a great voice, be sure <laughs> to go join the voice actor unionization. <laughs> I, I feel like they treat uh, they get treated a lot better, guys. So, all right. Again, uh, let us know your thoughts. Please reach out. Please correct us. We'll add an addendum to this in the blog post. Um, if just, you're a former Telltale and you want to come on, we would love to continue the story with an actual interview. Yes. I mean, let's just put that out there. Even if you're on the executive side or the employee side, if yes. you have more light to shine, we would love to share the story. Yeah, we definitely had some in mind, but as you can imagine, a week after they have bigger things to think about <laughs> than just to come on and talk about things. I mean, the, right now I, I feel like a lot of the information is out there. Uh, hopefully this 
provide some clarity to a lot of listeners out there and provide some more hope and uh, in, in, in belief that there is something that we can do right now immediately which is to invest in yourself <laughs> first and foremost so uh, all right, we'll leave it at that so thanks for listening to our podcast. I hope that you're a subscriber, but if you aren't, please feel free to follow us on any of the major podcast platforms, especially iTunes or Spotify. You can find show notes and more resources available to help you become a successful game developer. Just go on over to our website, www.gamedevunchained.com. If you're interested in keeping the conversation going, then definitely come check us out in Discord where we chat in real time for After Show Tuesdays to discuss episodes and Feedback Fridays where we share screenshots on the projects that we're currently working on. If you go over to Patreon.com, you can support our podcast financially. And if you do so, you get access to Life Unchained, our on-the-pulse, unfiltered game dev gossip content that we make exclusively for our Patreon supporters. And as usual, you can keep in touch and follow our happenings on Facebook and Twitter. That's Game Dev Unchained, the podcast.